We want to welcome everyone joining us by television. Welcome to Springs Church. Great to have you. And we hope God touches you right in your front room or wherever you are joining us. We're on a series because of Easter and the cross that is, I think it's going to touch you in a profound way. And today especially will change your life in the area that I want to talk about. As I travel and train pastors around the world in multiple denominations, it's the cross, it's the gospel that is so misunderstood. And so I want to unpack it for you in the next number of Sundays in a way that you'll be able to explain it to anybody around you, in a way that'll help you to experience a sense of victory and change in your own life. The human race is, how can I put this in good English, is very addictive. Addictions are so quick and powerful. You can become addicted very quickly to a substance, as many of us have found out. Everybody here has addictive thoughts that control you. Your thought patterns uh, are consistently belief systems that come from the heart that keep you thinking you're stupid or in a thought pattern of continually jealous or in a thought makeup of continually believing that you don't have enough, you don't fit in. But all of us are dealing with our addictive natures. God understands that. And it was actually designed, our addictive natures are designed to use for God's word. Get addicted to God's word. Get addicted to him. Get addicted to meditating. Get addicted to all the great things and build them into your life. Being addicted to joy, being addicted to being loyal and integrous and honorable or powerful things. Having a thought life like that, that it just always goes in that direction is a potently powerful way to live. But as a human race, so many people live broken. And when we give our lives to Christ, there are a number of, a ton of Christians that have not understood how to bring about change change. So today I'm going to start on how can you change anything in your life easily, effortlessly. It's not willpower. It's not just being determined in your mind. There is something so amazing in God's word that I want to just dive into and I want to begin to unpack it. Because if you don't understand this, you will be a slave to your addictions. You'll be a slave to pleasure. You'll be a slave to things that it's the carrot that's out there that you'll never catch and you'll destroy your life while you chase down the ultimate pleasure. The Bible teaches us that if you'll serve him, there is a peace, a joy, and pleasures forevermore. And he's not talking about just heaven. He's talking about on the inside now. So many people struggle with sin. When I use the word sin, what that means in the Bible, in, there's about nine different words that are used, but the main one means to miss the mark. If you've got a great business going and you do something really dumb and you miss the mark, okay, that's the same thing as saying sin. So Christianity and religion has taken the word sin and they think the second you use the word sin, it means you got sin, God's gone. You're screwed. He's finished with you, and he's going to nail you to boot. Lightning's going to come and strike you. The word sin means to miss the mark. Then, because Adam fell, there's another look at sin that says that there is a nature of sin. 
where you just desire uh, an anger, a pain. There are evil people. If you just go watch the court systems once in a while, ride with a policeman once in a while, besides just normal people struggling with their stuff, there are some people whose natures are so warped, they kill people. They do things that we can't even talk about because it's so disgusting. So we know that there is a nature of sin in the world today, but the kingdom of God, you can live in either world, the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. In every one of you is a deep desire to change. In every one of us is a deep desire to take something to a new level. Most of the psychologists who, are, who study and are experts on depression will tell you one of the main, one, there's many, one of the main reasons for depression, and it begins to settle into somebody, is when they don't feel like they are changing and growing. Which is why you see depression so rarely in children. Because every day is a new day. I mean, the morning comes and boom, I'm awake now! And new things, new teachers, new stuff at school, new adventures, climb a tree, climb a hard tree. I mean, they're just continually learning, growing, developing. There's nothing in them that's going to get depressed. Now, unless there's, of course, things like heartache and physiological. But I'm talking in the norm. And so as adults, are you changing? Do you believe you're changing? Are you becoming the person you've always wanted to be? Or is it the big fake front that you put on, which all of us do when we're going through rough times. Nobody wants to hear every problem you had today. I broke a nail three minutes ago, and two minutes ago I had this horrible thought, and one minute. But no one wants you to share every negative thing you're going through, every second of every day. We've got our own stuff to deal with. But we do listen to one another for the bigger issues and, and hug those who cry. And the Bible says to do that. But... We all have a desire to change. Now, when you gave your life to Jesus, if you're a Christian, you are a three-part being, body, earth suit. You have a mind, which we call the soul. And you have a spirit. I was a paramedic for seven years, and when a body died, it was really obvious. Because even when they were sleeping, they just, there was this life to them. But as soon as that person's spirit left their body, you just noticed it. it was, even just looking at them, you could just tell. And uh, so we, have, we are a spirit. Our soul is wrapped in our spirit. But then the Bible, so when you give your life to Jesus Christ, your spirit man just comes alive and is made, listen to this, perfect. Your spirit man is made perfect perfect when you gave your life to Christ. Jesus died on the cross, took our sins so that we could be born again. When someone is born, a brand new life comes to the planet. When you are, and Jesus introduced this term to us, born again, then the old you, you become a brand new person in your spirit. Now, the part that doesn't is your mind and your thinking. It's still just as crappy as it was before, okay? But keep that thought. Now, the Bible also says, and Ezekiel teaches us, and I'm going to give you a number of verses in a minute, but I want to just kind of get this out, that, he's going to, that when Jesus died on the cross, he prophesied of a time that God was going to give you a new heart. He was going to remove a heart of stone, and he was going to put into you a heart of flesh. He's not talking about your you know, your physical heart. He is talking about the heart as the center of your being. 
There's a different word in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, a different word in the New Testament in the Greek. The word heart. It literally means and it includes like a sub subconscious beliefs. It really is who you are, who you see yourself to be, who you think of yourself. And it says as you go through the word that it's the heart that determines what is released from your spirit. I'll give you an example. If God and all of his power is in you, then how come you can't stop smoking? <laughs> okay? If God and all of his power is in you, and every, I mean, and Jesus said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And that means everything. So what's our problem? Getting it out. How do I get what's in here? Out here. How, I can't even pray for a headache, pastor, and get it gone. So if there's healing there, how come I can't even stop a habit? I'm addicted to coffee, or I'm addicted to cigarettes, or I'm addicted to alcohol, or prescription drugs, or, 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 uh, you know, or crack, or whatever. And I, and I try to stop, and I can't. You say, all of the power of God is in me, but I can't get enough out to blow my nose. What's going on? That's what I want to talk about in this series. Because Christianity has missed this. A lot of, I shouldn't say Christianity, let's say religion has missed this. Here's what's happened. And I'm going to give you all the verses, but I want to just talk this through first. When you gave your life to Christ, he came in and made your spirit man brand new. And it says that not only are you a new creation in your spirit, but he gave you a new heart. That means, now listen close to this. The emotional, the deep emotions and feelings that are connected to hurts and heartache, things you've done wrong and things people have done to you, those are harbored in the heart and they hurt you. That he actually gives you a new heart. That means that all, all that pain, all that stuff is healed. And you begin to desire good things. You begin to want a new life. You begin to believe and, and trust people. All of this stuff is you get a brand new heart. But if you do not quickly renew your mind in the thinking of your mind, you'll go back to all the distrust, the anger, the man-hating, woman-hating, uh, sexual addiction, whatever's going on, whatever mind sets you've got going on here will quickly dominate this heart and destroy everything that's gone on. So as a pastor for 30 years in the church, I've watched people who've given their lives to Christ and they come in here and there's tears running down their cheeks. They're forgiving. They're happy. They're excited. All that, the, the, the self-loathing is gone. And for the first number of weeks or months or maybe a year, they just, wow, they love church. They come out. And then all of a sudden I've watched many of them and they start to wah, wah. And then it's like, well, things aren't happening like they used to anymore. And pastor, how come? And what I've been taught, so what I've said for years, and so many pastors will say this, is, you know, when you first give your life to Jesus, he fills you up and a newness comes to you. But then as the months go by, you're responsible to look after yourself. And if you don't, and, and, and there's a, enough of a seed of truth of there where people begin to think, yeah, well, I gave my life to Jesus and it was a gift. The change that took place in my heart, the brand new creation that I am in my spirit, my heart being renewed and healed. And now, though, I have to go back to the old covenant of works and I have to 
earn every change in my life. I have to be good to get that same kind of peace and that same kind of joy. And so a Christian who by God's grace had became a new creation, by God's grace has new feelings and has been healed from past hurts and experiences and is given a brand new heart, okay? They begin to just believe that it hasn't happened. They begin to believe or they begin to begin to try to become good enough. And so then we begin to teach the Old Testament law. And if you're from a church or you've you know, been raised in a church, you'll know that it's, it's pastors and leaders and parents will look at the sins that the kids are doing or that people are doing. And they go, don't they know any better than that? And they want to just... Oh, and so they begin to preach against sin and preach against sin and preach against sin. And the more they preach against sin, the more it's like throwing water on a grease fire. Now, for the firemen that are here, you don't put water on a grease fire because it doesn't put out a grease fire. It spreads it all over your kitchen, spreads it all over the place. And the Bible teaches us all through the book of Romans that when you, when you come and you just try to use the law to stamp out sin, it exasperates it. It spreads it. Only God's Grace gives you the power to change. Some people have heard of grace, that grace is God's mercy. It's his ability to love you and put up with you the way you are. And of course God loves you the way you are. You know, the second though you begin to bring to a Christian, all right, smarten up, suck it up. Well, you know, and you begin to nail, if you don't do this and you begin to bring the law to bear, you begin to wake up shame and condemnation. Now, God just healed your heart from shame and condemnation that used to once control you, and he gave you a new heart. So the heart is basically just kind of the center. It's a mix of soul and spirit. But when the Spirit of God inside of your human spirit wants to flow through, it's got to flow through the deep beliefs of the heart. That's why you got to, in Proverbs 4.23, you got to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues. I love the one version that says the boundaries, all those words are in the original word, the boundaries of your life, what the, bound, the ceiling you can't get past is a boundary. That boundary has not been set by the devil. The boundary has not been set by God. That boundary has been set by a heart belief. And so in Romans chapter 12, verses 2, uh, 1 and 2, but in verses 2, it says, to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's not talking about your spirit because Jesus died and he transformed your spirit. And your heart was made new when you got born again. But as you begin to renew your mind to get in agreement with your spirit, the amount of power you're going to release in your life is going to get when your spirit man, which is alive with Christ, and your mind gets in agreement with your spirit. When your mind gets renewed, the Bible says your life will prove the perfect will of God. What is the perfect will of God? Every one of his promises in the Bible. The perfect will of God. And I love the way it says, and if you renew your mind, it says, that you could have his good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, there's the, maybe your life's going good. Maybe you've improved it a little and it's acceptable. But go for the perfect. And you're not going to do it by sheer willpower, grit, self-discipline, where that's the only thing. You need Jesus, and I'm going to show you how in God's word. And if, you know, if someone said to you, like, how's your marriage, Leon? It's good. 
or maybe got a little bit better. And how's your marriage, Leonis? Acceptable. <laughs> or if someone said to you, hey, how was your wife's cooking on Friday? It was good. Or it was acceptable. She's not going to really feel it, you know, like you, you're impressed. But if it's perfect. And so Christians, they begin to give up hope. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. Instead of going to the beliefs of the powerful word of God and changing and renewing this mind to get it in agreement with the spirit of God in your spirit, okay, then you, you begin to doubt. Now, when you allow things to stay in your focus too long, it becomes a habitual way of thinking. If you're here and you're sick and you've had it for years, you'll have a feeling of owning that sickness. If you're here and you have an addiction, and, you've, and for years you've tried, you'll have, you will begin to focus on that as yours and own it, and then you'll develop a heart belief. Now, there's your conscious mind and there's your subconscious mind, and it's kind of the best way as an example. It's not perfect, but I can explain it to you. There are subconscious beliefs that you have. I call them feelings. Emotions, the, whatever you focus on, is what's going to make your emotions start. You know, the more I thought about it, the madder I got. Why? Because you're focusing on what someone's done to you. So your emotion, but feelings are much deeper. Feelings, whether you focus on something or not. There's somebody, and I've shared this before, but somebody sitting here right now. That you're sitting here, and you have this deep abiding feeling like, I don't fit in. I don't fit in here. Really? <laughs> There's all age groups, all financial groups. There's all different languages here. I think 30 or 40 different languages here. People who've gone through stuff worse than you. People who have got lives better than you. And really, you don't fit in. Is that the truth? No. It's a deep abiding feeling that comes up from your heart. And it controls your life everywhere you go. And until those heart beliefs are changed, and it starts with the renewing of the mind, until those heart beliefs are changed, those deep abiding feelings will haunt you. You might be married to someone today and you just have begun to doubt that they love you because they don't speak your love language probably. And so you begin to doubt that and that deep abiding feeling is always there. It doesn't matter what they do to love on you and show you love, uh, this deep abiding feeling is always there whether it's your bedroom or whether it's on a date, whether it's on a family. It's just kind of like, you know, do you really? Do you love me? And it's not your relationship that's got the problem. It's a deep abiding belief that's in your heart. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. It's not, you know, who God thinks you are is how you're going to live. No, it's how you think. And the most powerful place isn't in your conscious mind where you have conscious thoughts. It's in your subconscious. Underneath your conscious level of thinking is a lifetime of beliefs, heartaches. You've developed belief systems because of failures, things you couldn't change, things people did to you, horrible emotional events that instantly formed a heart belief. So these heart beliefs, and we've, got, we've studied a lot on this in the whole series on dealing with your BS, belief systems, by the way. Okay, <laughs> So we've done a whole series on that. So I'm not going to go back and keep redoing this. But we need to recognize there is victory and there is an ease of change that is for you in your life as a believer. And it's not going to come by going back into the law. Every epistle except one in the New Testament, Paul was going back to churches and saying, what are you doing? Galatians is an obvious one. He says, who's bewitched you? You originally gave your life to Christ and it was a gift 
that you got born again. And now you're going to go back into works. You know that you're missing it. In, if you're a believer and a Christian today, if you have become, I know you're not going to like this word, self-righteous. Now, we use that word in Canada kind of like, you self-righteous jerk. But I don't mean an arrogant person. I just mean a person who's trying to become righteous on their own. They are trying to live good enough for God to bless them. They're trying hard to get rid of their stinking thinking and their habitual thinking and and, and their habits and and they're trying to get rid of it and just doing everything they can eat. And even if they're in the word, they're using it as it's it's so self-focused. And righteousness is a gift. You can't get any more righteous than you are. So once you try to earn something from God, you've become self-righteous. But faith righteousness, it's a gift. You just have to believe. And so this is the key. Now, there's a story in the Bible from the Old Testament. And it's about God taking his people out of Israel, out of Egypt. And they were slaves. And you've, if you saw the movie, The Exodus, and he said, let my people go. And Moses walks out with a couple million Israelites. And they go through the desert and they're on their way to the promised land and the bottom line of the whole crux of the stories, they wouldn't go in. <laughs> okay? You spend 40 years walking in the desert, he gets you to the edge of your big dream, and you go, nah, oh no, oh no. Those giants, are they're, just, they're too big, I'm not going in. Take me back to Egypt with my soup and my beans and my leeks, and I'm going to be fine. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 1 to 3, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest... Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as unto them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience for the word of God. Now, the Bible teaches us that when we talk about an, uh, an evil heart, because in Matthew chapter 12 it says that a good man from the good treasure of his heart literally brings forth what's in his heart. Good things. And an evil man from the evil treasure of his heart, not his mind, his heart, brings forth evil things. So a world-changing man from the world-changing treasures of his heart, beliefs of his heart, deposit of God, he'll bring forth world-changing things. A mediocre man will just bring forth mediocrity. But he's, he, now in Hebrews, it's talking about this story of the children of Israel coming out of the promised land. They've been slaves for how many years? And God does miracle after miracle. And here's what he promised them, and I'll give you the verse of them. And he says, I'm taking you to a land where you don't have to build the cities. The roads are there, the houses are there, the walls of the city are there. I'm going to give you farms somebody else built. I'm going to give you honey farms that are already there. I'm going to give you ranches. I'm going to give you sheep herds that you're just going to step in and possess. And when Joshua took them through, that's what they did. They walked into Canaan and they took over houses that were built, businesses already there, ranches that were already there. And you kind of go, that's not fair. 
Those poor people, they've spent all that time building, designing, putting, I mean, roads and, and not their form of highways and connecting cities and fortifications. And, and the Israel just walked in and just got it for nothing. Yes, it was a gift from God to them. And it's a type and a shadow of the born-again, spirit-filled life for you as a Christian. He's saying you don't have to go build an entire world of self-control. And because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, not the fruit of the mind, not the fruit of your efforts. It's the fruit of God's efforts, Jesus' efforts. And so as we begin to recognize the power of believing, that when the Bible talks about it's through grace that you're saved, through faith, this grace is unmerited favor. Grace, God's grace, is the power to change anything in your life. And you do it effortlessly. Just like he was going to change the slaves' lives by bringing them out of slavery. And he was going to prosper them and bless them, make them wealthy, and give generations of their families. If they wanted, if they wanted to uh, have milk cows and a milk farm, it was there waiting for them to choose that. If they wanted, he's taken to a land that flowed with milk and honey. That didn't mean the creeks had milk flowing in them. Didn't mean the rivers had honey floating down. It meant that the production of honey and the farms and the milk was so phenomenal that it was wealthy. And he walked them right in and gave it to them. It is a type of the spirit-filled life where Jesus recognizes all your works and everything you do to try to get yourself set free and try to get yourself thinking right, etc. They're not good enough. You're not going to make it. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart. Okay, let's just stop right there. Oh, he must be a murderer, rapist, adulterer. Whoa, he is an evil person. Now, here's what an evil heart is. Look at it. This is direct from the Bible. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of, next line, unbelief. Okay, this is so stupid. You're going to go, duh, are you kidding me? He's calling me because I can't believe something. And evil, he's showing you that your unbelief, your misbeliefs, you're choosing to not trust in him. It's your heart has got to trust his promises. What Jesus has done on the cross, the cross, the grave, the resurrection, until you begin to understand and believe this, that evil heart, will keep allowing or connecting you to things you don't want. How many people here, uh, actually probably all of us, have something in our lives, whether it's an attitude, where, oh, I hate it when I do that. What's wrong with me? Slap the wrong side of my face. <laughs> and, we begin, and, and we get all like that. What's going on? It's this heart of unbelief. It didn't say a head of unbelief. It said a heart of unbelief. When you begin to take God's word and you begin to bring it into your mind and you begin to read what Jesus did at the cross, that you're forgiven for every sin, past, present, future. And that even when you do sin, Jesus has already died for it and you're forgiven. Forgive yourself. Move on. Because if you sit there in your shame and if you sit there in your condemnation, uh, oh, what's wrong with me, and you stay there, you will exasperate the same problem. Why is it that kids of alcoholics have a much higher percentage of going to alcoholism, yet when you talk to them, they swear they're never going to be like their drunken dad? 
They swear they'll never be like their passed out mom who would never. And pretty soon, they just go and do that. Why? Because it's not about what your mind wants to do. It's about the belief systems that have been impacted into your heart. How do heart beliefs come? They come from repetition or high emotion. Both will bring a heart belief. So if something's been said to you your whole life, You've been treated a certain way your whole life, whether it's money attitudes, sexual attitudes, uh, friendship attitudes, marriage attitudes, attitudes towards women, attitudes towards men, etc. Et All of these have formed deep belief systems of the heart. And these deep feelings come out whether you focus on them or not. So the heart is a crucial part. As you begin to get into God's word and you begin to understand what happened at the cross, that heart that has become crooked, Okay, that heart that, that has begun to believe that I'll never change, I'm a Christian, but I can't do this, what's wrong with me? It, it begins to straighten out. And all of the power of God that is within your recreated spirit begins to flow. See, people pray like this in so many Christians. as God, where are you? Please help me. Me, me, me. I need help. help, 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 help. The Bible doesn't say healing comes from heaven. doesn't say help comes from heaven. doesn't say God's power comes from heaven. It says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that's what quickens and heals your mortal body. But because we have been taught and seen this in such a religious format, none of us can get the power of God flowing in our lives. So we live defeated lives, but we've got fire assurance that gets us to heaven. And the sweet by and by, we'll make it to glory where I've finally got a mansion down. Here I just got a cabin. Down here I'm holding the fort. Up in heaven I'm going to be victorious. Down here there's only going to be a remnant left and Jesus comes back for a defeated church. But I mean, the teachings that go on leave Christians defeated, thinking nothing will ever change in your life. You and I are designed to be like Jesus. In Romans 8.29, listen to this. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated that you would be conformed to the image of his Son." that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So I'm glad you're here, and I don't care how messed up your life is. God's in love with you. Yeah. And he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to curse you. His, the punishment for your sins not coming on you because Jesus took it. But as you come and give your life to Christ, to stay in the weaknesses, the missing of the marks that you do, the sin, is to leave your life a mess. Who's going to want to marry that? Who's going to want to stay with that? Who's going to want to hang out with parents like that? Who's going to want to hire that? Who, what what ju judges will put you in jail? Policemen will arrest you and your friends are going to abandon you. No, God never will. But everybody else will. And everything in life is about relationships. First your relationship with God, then every other relationship you've got in this world. So all of the behavior that you can't change, God loves you anyway. But he loves you so much. He wants to help you change that behavior so you can have great friends, great marriage, great sex life, great finances, great peace, shalom.
Just this peace that passes understanding, a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. He wants you to have that. You and I can be conformed to the image of his son. We are. We just need to begin to believe up here what's already taken place in here. In Psalm 17, 15, it says, David says, prophetic, I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. <laughs> Galatians 3, 3, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit, you're now being made perfect by the flesh? The presence of God changed you, made you born again, forgave all your sins, you're a new creation. Don't you think that same power is going to be here to help you change in every area of your life effortlessly? And if you begin to get into works, you're frustrating the power of God, which is his grace, his power to change. In Romans 6.14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you're under grace. He is saying here, this powerful, incredible force, his grace is what is going to help you break free from any habit, any habitual thinking, any depression, any anger, suicidal thoughts. Christians get them all. If you want to walk out of that, Okay, stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to get it to happen and recognize that sin doesn't have dominion over you. Now, if you believe it does, it does. What are you saying, pastor? It doesn't have dominion over you because Jesus died for it, broke its back, set you free. But it's kind of like, oh, I've often shared this analogy. My wife can love me phenomenally, and if I don't believe it, I will not experience it. I go home, hey, baby, I love you. Yeah, right. If I don't believe her love for me, I'll never experience it. If you don't believe that you have power over sin and that the cross has finished this, you will walk through your life going, every addiction gets me and alcohol gets me and drugs get me and sex gets me and, and I just can't stop. This is me. You'll have to love me the way. Oh, we will love you the way you are, but no one will want to be close to you because you're not safe. Am I helping anybody or am I just preaching to myself here? God loves you. He cares about you. Colossians 2.6, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, now walk you, ye, in him. When you're in him, there's a power that flows, an ability to change. Well, my time has passed up, and we're, we're going to just keep camping on this and, and walking this. Maybe my last thought will be this. When Jesus had the devil himself tempt him, you ever get tempted? Don't put a hand up. We all do. Temptation's not a sin. Everybody gets tempted. When Jesus was tempted, he did the same thing every time. He started out with the same three words. He said, it is written. He was Jesus, the son of God. He could have went, shazam, get away. I'm Jesus. Bam, and shoot him with a gospel gun. He, he could have done whatever he wanted. But he said, it is written. And when, he, the, when the word of God rose up from the heart of Jesus, boom, powers released. Do you know God's word? Or do you read God's word as a rule book? You know that rule books don't make great hockey players? If I put four hockey players on the stage and then the first guy has the rule book memorized, does that make him a good hockey player? No, it makes him a good referee. <laughs> okay. What makes him a good hockey player is developing the skills and the ability to play hockey. 
Stop looking at the word as if you're reading it for umpire training or referee training or judge training and read it as a player playing the game. How do you get your skills? Where do you get your power? How do you get the patterns? Well, how can you just become everything you've ever dreamed? The word. But if you don't know the word, you, you, you will struggle. If you've lived on the streets and a rich uncle walks by you one day and says, Leon, come here. Come here, dude. Come here. I got a copy of this to the courthouse so you know. Do you see what it says right here? This address? That's your house. What did you live on the streets for? I, I, I have a house? Yeah. Here's the address. There's a signature. Your dad left it to you in the will. It's been sitting there and you're living on the streets. I have a house. That changes everything, doesn't it? Now I go to my house and somebody else is in it. Am I going to go, oh, I guess I don't have a house. No, here's what I'm going to do. Hey, you, get out of my house. Not your house. It is written right here. Dan, lead, this is the deed to my home. It's my, get out or I'm calling the cops. And I'm going to call. You, you, something changes in you when you become an owner. You're going to protect it. You're getting off my yard. You get out of my house. I'm, when you begin to know what you own as a Christian, and you begin to realize God's word is more powerful than United States governor seal. It's more powerful than the stamp of the Canadian prime minister. It's more powerful than the stamp of the president of Russia. That a word to you, a promise is from God. And when you begin to look at God's word and say, I just need to read this thing because, oh man, look what I got. You'll begin to believe it and you'll begin to change. And when you go to fight for something, it is so effortlessly because you know, I know that's my house. I know healing is mine. I know a happy marriage is mine. You a liar, devil. The Bible says I've got a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Devil, it is written that the blessing of the Lord is upon those he loves and he loves me. It's written in the word. He's given me the power to make wealth in Deuteronomy 8.18. It is written that his power will heal me and that Jesus died on the cross. When you begin to know what is written about you and your rights and your privileges as a Christian, everything changes in your head. You are an owner. You have rights. You have authority now. But if you don't know, you've got nothing. A couple stories I'll tell you. But a guy years and years and years ago wanted to come to America from the old country and didn't have enough money to get on board, but he managed to get enough for the ticket. So he gets on this old ocean liner. There was no planes, no jets. The only way to go was, it was, a, I don't know, a week or two on this ocean liner or more to get to America. So he managed to buy with his remaining pennies a great big chunk of cheese, moldy cheese and an old big hunk of bread. And he figured it out. If I eat this much and this much every day, I can make it to America and I won't die. So while he walked by, and if you've ever been on a cruise, you know the cruise ships have a lot of good food. And as he's walking by all the mess hall and the dining room, and he sees every other passenger eating, he goes back to his room, and now the green is taking over the bread and the cheese, and it tastes foul, but it's his only sustenance. And about a week in, he is so hungry, he goes, I'm going to go steal some food. 
I'm going to just go in there, sit down, and eat before they can catch me. I'm so hungry. And then if they lock me up, I'm still going to get to America, I think. I'm, I don't, I'm going to be okay. So he walks past the dining room, looks for the best table where no one can see him, quickly goes in, sits down, gets his food, and he's just forking it down his fat. And sure enough, the captain walks over. And he, he's going to get as much food down as he hasn't eaten in a week. And the captain says, hey, it's so good to see you. He says, I'm so glad that you're finally here. I wondered why you weren't eating with us. And as he's wiping his mouth and putting buns in his pocket and meat in his shoe, and he goes, well, I'll tell you the truth. I, I just didn't have enough money for food. I only had enough money for my ticket. The captain looked at him and goes, didn't they tell you that your ticket includes all the food? Poor sucker, been eating moldy cheese for a week. On the small print on his ticket, all the food in that room was his. But if you don't know it, you live like a person who doesn't own it. To know it, to not know it, even when you've got it, means you're not going to walk in it. So get yourself a Bible if you haven't. Get a devotion time of just enjoying the Word. And get in there. Get some help. Find a good tape series at the back. And in your devotion time, just go through 15 minutes of that tape. And then make notes about it. How does that affect you? If you don't know where to start with your Bible, a great way to do it is a, an author who's authored a good book or a series of CDs at the back. And as you begin that, you begin to know what God says. You know, when kids are in grade 2, 3, or 4, something will go wrong. Or they're arguing at the back and they'll go like this. My dad says. Why they like that? Because they think their dad's it. Everything. My mom says. Why have we lost trust in the living, powerful word of God? Jesus said the words that I speak to you are alive. They are life. Christians have become weary in well-doing. Weariness is not tiredness. Tiredness is of the body. Weariness is of the mind. We're going to continue on this series. This is, I didn't even get through my introduction. But we're going to help you understand how you can effortlessly, easily be who you is. Now, one of the most defeated thoughts on the planet in the kingdom of God is trying to become what you're not. Leon, Leon, help me. I'm trying to become free from a drug addiction. No, you're already free from drug addiction. It's in your spirit. You are free. You're a new creation. Get your head to know it. And when your mind comes in agreement with the spirit of God inside of you, bam, the power is just released. It's as easy as pie. The renewing of the mind. If you got a good Bible, get it out. Or like, if you're like me, I got like 50 on my iPad. I just love just going through it, going through teachings. Just make a decision. Get back here every Sunday. This series is going to rock your world, going to change your life. Whether you're a Christian or whether you don't even believe in Jesus yet, this series will help you to do what you've always wondered. You've always wondered why, you know, you can put on the smile, go to church, because church is not for perfect people. If you're perfect and you're here, you're in the wrong place. Because it's for imperfect people. But you've often wondered in your own world, why can't I change this, 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 or this? You, you can't effortlessly, easily. Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a rest that you can enter into of, of stopping your own works of trying to get your life. And I'm not just talking about addictions. I'm talking about that business guy trying to get to a new level. I'm talking about that mom trying to get her marriage more romantic. I'm talking about that father who hasn't got a clue about how to be a dad and he, and, and he knows it and he's, and he's trying to be the dad, that father he always wanted to be and he can't quite get there. How do I do that? 
It's effortlessly as you get into God's word. He begins to change your heart. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The last phrase there says, it discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The deepest thoughts that you struggle with, you think nobody knows. God's word, as you just study it, just get out to church. Get a series to listen to on your CDs or on your phone or download it or, or find a great book of an author that's proven good teaching in this and just begin to absorb it. And something happens as the real you begins to come out. Now you think the real you is the addicted, sick, weary, depressed you. No, that's just the uh, residual of your mind's belief systems. Because if you've given your life to Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We're going to get who we are out into our mind and into our lives and into our relationships and our finances and our sexuality and all that we're believing. And I'm telling you, it's going to change everything in your world. Jesus didn't go to the cross to make this harder. This is a new agreement with better promises, and it's easier than the Old Testament. Hebrews teaches us that. My time is up. Would you bow your head with me?